Welcome to The Naked Truth, we'll talk about West Coast Swing. My name is Deborah, And I'm Eric. And this is the second part of our conversation with Tatiana and Jordan. We chat with them about their influence on our West Coast Swing community, their views of the dance, the importance of knowing your history, their retirement, and more. We hope you enjoy. You know, you two have been icons in our dance world for many years now. And more than many. More than any. Uh, One could easily argue that you two have been more influential on our global dance community than anyone else. Um, Since you kind of went to that Sydney Salsa Congress and reached a whole bunch of new people, right? I mean, there's all sorts of reasons that the dance is spread around the world, but I think Mm -hmm. your routines have been seen by dancers everywhere. And your performances at events like the Salsa Congresses introduced the dance to so many people. I'm curious what you think about the spread of West Coast Swing and how do you feel about your role in showcasing and promoting the dance? Um, well, first off, thank you for saying that. Yeah, um, we, we definitely feel like that's been a driving force for us. Um, the feeling of having someone say that, you know, your, your routine is what made me start West Coast Swing or watching this specific dance. Mm-hmm. Um, Something like that, a compliment like that goes very far for us. Um, and, you know, when we when we started getting asked to do these other congresses, whether it was salsa congresses or ballroom events or Lindy conventions, whatever it was, um, we just didn't really know how, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know how they would receive us. Um, so we were so fortunate to, to come in, I just think West Coast Swing, it's so cool that we were we were showing up to these events where they were just kind of locked in to one genre of music, um, right. style, one, one facet. And we just came in and they're like, what is that song from the radio? Like mm-hmm. that, that was such a big connection. Whatever country we were in, I mean, I remember before they could say our names, they were like Britney Spears. Like <laughs> do our demo to Britney Spears or Justin Timberlake or in sync back then, whatever it was. Right. Um, when we would, when we would go to a salsa convention and it was salsa song, salsa, 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 30, I mean, a show in the salsa world, a Saturday night, 34 routines is a normal Saturday night. Right. Like their shows go on forever. every night, Friday, yeah. Saturday, and a Sunday, 30, mm-hmm. sometimes 34 shows every night. Like it's insane. And, so Amazing. we would just step in there and we just had the beauty of not just, it was more that we were bringing that West coast swing was such a huge part of that. Now we, um, we would just do our thing and it was just, we never knew what that reaction would be. So there was like nothing to lose you right. know, we're in a new world and we were just happy to be there. And then when we saw the the reaction from these people and then like, the biggest compliment would be like, we do a show on a Friday or a Saturday. And then the next morning they'd maybe have us teach an hour to intro to West coast. And that would be our weekend. It was one or two shows and then maybe an hour to intro West coast swing, but all the pros would come and wherever the pros of their genre would come, all their students would follow. I mean, if one of their teachers finished a workshop and said, okay, we're heading over to Jordan Todd's uh, West coast swing class, that entire ballroom followed them. So I remember that first time teaching at Sydney, I mean, there was like 4,000 people there. It was massive. I mean, we're teaching at a wall, like we're performing in front of a wall of people, like Mm -hmm. you're in the Olympic Olympic arena. And 
then the next day to teach that workshop it 800 and there's just so many people. Yeah, so whether it was that, whether it was modern jive events in the UK, like there were just so many big conventions where we were seeing our joy, our love now like start to impact these people. And they were starting to feel that same way. And, and just to see, just a, even fast forward when I, let's say a year later, I would see somebody from that event. Okay. Uh -huh. Like Z from Singapore. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Him there. And he was like, what the hell is that? And, mm -hmm. and now he runs um, his event. It's, it's, it's just, yeah. like, like just that right there. It, we're mm -hmm. so proud of that. And there's a couple, and even just seeing one, a year of like, I met you at the Salsa Congress and now you got me into West Coast. And then we, they kind of converted now into West Coast Swing and mm -hmm. left Salsa. It, it's kind of rewarding. You know, I mean, we, really we always felt like it was important for us and it, it wasn't us putting it on because we love all forms of dance. We really do. It's not mm -hmm. us faking that. Like we love, we would go to the salsa dances oh, yeah. after we perform, we'd go salsa. salsa. I and I mean, she was great. I was stomping. I looked like, <laughs> I looked like Ben Stiller and along came Polly. They're like, do you have hips? Are there hips in there? I don't agree. You don't you're... look so white when you're doing West Coast. They're like, but man, you're awesome. When you're salsa hip, you're non-existent. Oh They're like, you know the Shakira song? Hips don't lie. They they weren't talking about you. Or <laughs> lying. But um but we would be out there, we would close their ballroom, we would stay out there. And they, they really respected that. When we first saw Zook, we went and learned the Zook classes. Like we took all the basic Zook classes. We fell in love with it. We, um, when we went to India, we did the Bollywood performance. They, they said, you guys don't have to if you don't want to. But we were like, no, we're going to make fools of ourselves and do this. But it was, it was, they were being so respectful to us. We knew that we owed that. But anyway, it was fun too, but yeah. True, it was. But we we just felt like that went a long way and they connected with us and so they 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 followed it up with it it wasn't just a one time for fun thing like these people again like you'd see them a year later and they were doing west coast they were seeking it out or they were buying dvds or they were trying to find it in their own country and these a lot of these people slowly became the like developers of their own communities overseas and that's really cool to see yeah and yeah like we weren't trying to convert them from their dances but a lot of them made that transition whether it was lindy hoppers switching over to west coast swing or salsa dancers switching over like we saw a lot of dancers cross over and so we just knew that our dance it like annie always said west coast swing is the best kept secret in the world yeah and we we felt that way and we were jealous when we'd walk into these ballrooms or these events that had four, five, 6,000 people. We just went to a bachata event in Mexico a couple years ago. Oh my gosh. It was and there was like, I don't know, they say something like 8,000 people at this event, but teaching a workshop that's so big, you can't rotate. There's so many people, like 1,200 people. And they just say, don't, don't say rotate. They'll figure it out. They'll mix it up amongst themselves. And you're like, okay, I'm not even going to look. This is so <laughs> weird. There's no organization, just teach. But seeing events that size, we were just jealous. Like mm -hmm. what, what can we do to, to like at least expose these people to West coast swing. And so making connection with their, with their pros, with their professionals, taking their workshops, um, them taking our workshops, that just really became a great segue for these people, at least passing along the information. So we always felt a really warm welcome when we would cross over and transition to these other dance styles.
Mm-hmm. And in conclusion, too, I just I just want to say that I we still talk about to this day how grateful like we feel. I mean, with the question that you asked, I just I mean, yeah, we just feel really grateful that we were able to and we still do hopefully, you know, inspire other people, other genres and everything like that, that even though we don't compete anymore with our shows, we are doing our shows in a way to still reach out and get more and more and more people to Mm -hmm. get to those number workshops one day, you know, but we're always still performing to collect and get more people to be inspired to do West Coast Swing. So it's always I think I think you've done a great job at you know making bringing West Coast Swing to the masses. I think it's just going to take us a little longer to get an event where we have eight thousand people. And I think part of the reason is is all the dance that you've mentioned, like bachata and salsa, and they're not as intricate as our dances. And our dance has so much versatility and and dances to all different genres of music and changes quality of movement according to song. So it's a lot, I think, for some people to grasp. Right. Yeah. And I think the people that do take it in are just diehard dancers. They just love dancing, which is why they love our dance. Or they felt connected to West Coast Swing. They're like, oh my gosh, this is my dance. There's people that say like, I just found this out when I was 32. And I feel like this is a dance that I should have been doing since I was 12. You know, you you have that a lot when you talk to people. So, right. Um, well, and then some of these dance styles have their own, they have literally their own style of music. Mm-hmm. I mean, radio stations that play their right. style of music. And so, I mean, they, what's amazing at some of these bachata events is they'll have a con- they'll have a concert on the Saturday night and that concert brings in four of the thou- 4,000 people are coming in just for the concert. They're not even dancers. Right. They're watching all these people and they're like, gosh, they get to dance to the music that that I love and I love it, but I just kind of hold my beer and shake back and forth. And these couples, they love it just as much as us, but they're dancing to it. And so mm-hmm. like they get such a great turnaround from all the people there just to see whatever artists they hired. And these events take on a huge overhead by yeah. hiring these artists, but it, it, it pays them back. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing how these events grow just based off of the attendees for the concert, then come back and take the class or take the, the workshop which i think is why our dance is so freaking amazing is that i don't think this dance will ever go on the down i think it's always going to be on the up i mean yeah because I, it moves with the music the times yeah, yeah. barry jones when la bouche was huge yeah um, or all the those remember back in the, da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah you're right you're right you're right you no know, mercy like they all danced that stuff when i was growing up that's what right. routines were they were like um i, I just think that and because that was the time of the music and that, you know, I think we all follow the time of the music when Rihanna and now who's, who's top right now. I don't even know. Mm. BTS. No, no. Like, like <laughs> Sean Mendes, Sean Mendes, or, you know, like, I don't know. Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. Charlie Puth is everywhere. Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like following. I mean, we all did it really. And then of course branched out to also blue other stuff, but I think it's kind of cool. No, no, that's why our dance is so great. You know, yeah. it, just yeah. other dances dance to a specific genre of music. We don't have that. We dance to everything. I know, it's true. Wonderful. Which, which I mean is, I is our versatility. And I don't know, I think that, I feel like there will be, there will be that day where West Coast Swing breaks, like to a, to a new audience or to a new level. And, well, speaking of that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because <laughs> that was that's a good segue, um, Jordan. So you did so well. So you guys are icons in the West Coast swing dance community, obviously, and you two have divine, defined 
um, this dance for so many of us for so many years. And you not only showed us what West Coast Swing is, but you showed what it could be by pushing the limits of the dance in your routines and improvisational dancing. What is West Coast Swing to you? And how do you think about pushing the dance while also staying true to its roots? Mm, Take it away, George. <laughs> <laughs> so I want him to finish. Well, I mean, I always bring this up, but I always go back to this. Um, I always go back to Wayne's advice that when you're choreographing, there is this thing called the burden of West Coast Swing. And he didn't say that in a negative tone, but it was a way to check yourself that remember what we're doing here because a clean slate or an empty canvas is very easy to lose track of where you are. Um, and this is something that he said before I understood it. And then it's something that I matured into really realizing that, and then it became a goal of ours. The years that we would choose real, like, outlandish music or things that weren't traditional to West Coast Swing, the goal was to prove to people that we still could and to 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 connect with Jack Carey and mm-hmm. show him that you're going to recognize your dance, even though mm-hmm. this song is not what you would get up and dance to. And so that, that always helped us with our choreography process, remembering that as we wanted to be creative and as we want to go one way or the other, like, what's it rooted in? Is it rooted in a whip? Is it is it rooted in a sweetheart position? Does it roll in? Does it prep? Does it still walk, walk? Like it wasn't just a clean slate for us. We had many ideas that could have gone even further, but we would rein ourselves in. And in the early years, it was with coaches and it was with our choreographers. And then when we became our own choreographers, we, we had to have that translate. And, you know, we, we took pride in, I remember one of Jack's comments after a U.S. Open was, well, I, I hated your song. I had you first. Mm-hmm. I respected him as a judge for being able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I respected the fact that we were able to at least still show him the dance that he recognized. And so that was something Can I that, tell what it was? It was I Viva La Vida. Was it really? Mm-hmm. Oh, he yeah, didn't like Viva La Vida's song. But and he... it was a capital. And it was what? in that side judge's reviews room. Do you remember the little story of you guys asking me, hey, Deborah, would you come downstairs and look at our routine? And I was like, yeah, let's go. And I think it was also at Capitol. Yeah. And I said, let me hear the music first. And it was Pump It. And I was like, I was like, ah, I said, I don't like the song, but let me see what you do to it. And then you dance to it. And I was like, I freaking love it. So sometimes it's not, you know, music can be a little bit distracting, but if you know what you're doing to it, and you make the, you make you make us fall in love with the music. That's the idea. Like I love Pump It now because of what you did to it. Because when I first listened to it, it's not something that I would listen to. It's just not. It doesn't like grab me. But when yeah. you dance to it, I'm like completely enthralled by it. Yeah. And now it's one of my favorites. And again, you can't please everybody, right? But we do believe it's so. Right. Music is so important. Absolutely. And I don't know if everyone. Which puts that much emphasis on how important it is. You know, like sometimes I feel like people play music that they go, I love to late night dance to this song. Yeah, but and it's not a routine song, right? I don't think that we just love it. Like, I, I mean, I love Lu- um, Yuna Lullabies. That yeah. song. Uh, I mean, I'm obsessed with that song. I do too. And for what US Open, 
you know, so it's like to just think about how to, um, I, what's the word? Different, not differentiate. Um, what's, prioritize. Prioritize like what's music. Yeah. And I mean, that was a, that was the driving force for us. And it was, it was the most important thing for us. We would sit, we would literally skip an open if we didn't have a yeah. song. Yep. We were never going to just jump Go out, out there. and scramble. We, we would rather not dance. And so, um, going just going back to yeah, sorry. what is West, I mean, West Coast Swing to us is still, it's still rooted within the basics that we teach. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to just read the definition, even though it's like fresh in my head right now. Well, but um, <laughs> West Coast Swing is it? <laughs> go ahead. It's an American uh, American rhythm dance built of six and eight beat patterns. Da, 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 da. I, I don't want to go down that, but but that's still it's still a part of us sure. in everything that we do and everything that we choreograph. Um, nothing is just coming out of nowhere. The only moment we feel that free is the intro to a routine. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell couples this, I, I think that every couple is allowed to set the tone for a story. And I think that you're allowed to do that. And if you pick the right song, the song will help you with that. If for you 16 beats, find a right? song with an intro, yeah. yeah. 16 beats, it could be eight beats. It, it's Sometimes it's just setting a tone. So I don't think you have to start in closed position. I think you should be able to set the tone for the story you want to tell. But um, coming back to to West Coast Swing, coming back home, the burden of West Coast Swing sitting on our shoulder, um, that's mm-hmm. always what brings us back and reigns us back in. Mm-hmm. There's so many so many couples who get lost in that. They're awesome social dancers, but they get out on the routine floor and it's a, it's a clean slate. So why not just use this clean slate? So, you know, recognizing what West Coast Swing is, it's really important because all these people, they didn't start routines. They started taking basics. They started learning the dance socially. Um, being able to connect that somehow in routines, I think, is really important. Um, you, I mean, this, is a, this is a whole other topic about swing content and stuff like that, which we could get into. But I just feel like for us, it was the saving grace for when we ventured outside of the safe music. Mm-hmm. And let's just say there, there were two driving factors for that, because it was never that it wasn't always even what we wanted to do. Number one, we never wanted to be pigeonholed mm-hmm. or typecast. And we felt like we took on a new role every time we did a routine. And we knew that sometimes an audience had found their favorite on us. Like, right. on how to save a life forever. We want lyrical. We, we couldn't give them another one. Because if we did another one right after, we would never had a chance to leave that. We live mm-hmm. in that space forever. Mm-hmm. So we had to take them so far that in another direction that they could still love that. And they could like this routine. They could love this routine too. They wouldn't even compare the two routines. Right. We feel that was very beneficial to us. And it wasn't even where we wanted to live in, in the space of where we were feeling at the moment or what we wanted to express. It was just, we couldn't do the same thing again. Um, Wouldn't you say too that, maybe just from my experience, but I also feel like sometimes the music that we choose reflects what's going on in our life that time. It can. Yeah. Definitely can. I mean, it didn't. It didn't always for us. No, of course not. But there were definitely some years where, you know, a song speaks to you so much that you scrap a routine or that you, you're, you're halfway. I mean, our retirement year, we changed our minds. Like there were other years. How to save a life was another year where a song spoke to us. Boom, we switch gears. Like well, like one year, Lord. I remember, um, my brother passed away in June, and we did Lord that November. 
I wanted to do a slow song for my brother so much. Like, I know this sounds like it, it's, but we couldn't because that Lord song was so amazing. Like, I love our intro song. It was the most incredible. Like, Jordan found it. Mm-hmm. And Lord is, like, sometimes you have to do that now or it's Yes, gonna- or you'll miss the opportunity. Yeah. If we do tennis court next year, like, this is going to be so bad. You know, and then I also had another song maybe in mind for a slow song that doesn't fit what I'm feeling. So mm-hmm. like that was a one year. I was like, but I feel this, but I really want to do this. And so I just went with what I felt I really wanted to do because I loved that intro, that song that Jordan found. Mm-hmm. I can't let this go. So I didn't do what I felt at that year. But gotcha. in the other years, we do. Sometimes we do feel, you know, we do. There was, we, feel. we feel like there was that small window of dubstep. Oh, yeah. Thank God Dubstep has read its course. Right, right. <laughs> there was a small window where when it's on every commercial, you're like, people can accept this. Right. And it was so funny. Like, we didn't know Benji's song and Benji didn't know our song. Right, but yeah, you both had it. To train together, we were like, holy shit, we're both dancing to robots. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and it was just that that music spoke to us. And it was that small window where like, maybe we could get away with dancing this at a U.S. Open. And it was like, we're jumping on it right now. And in a year, we probably won't ever want to hear it again. But like, this speaks to us in that moment. And there's that moment in time. That's but, funny. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Well, you were always pushing the dance mm-hmm. too. Like, I feel like you were, you were staying current with the time of the music, but you also pushed your music a lot um, in different ways. And uh, I know I personally always admired your dancing. I was one of those people who would watch the videos and try to copy crazy stuff. Um, but I know a lot of people do look to you as as icons and role models. Um, you know, you can, I personally have seen even my own students, they try to be Tatiana, or they try to do the Jordan, right? Like they're trying to emulate you and copy you. And at the same time, you know, you're, you're pushing the dance and you are staying true to West Coast. I actually, Tatiana, I use you as an example a lot. Um, in class when I have students who want to basically not do West Coast Swing, but just do the crazy part that they see yeah. in videos, yeah. right? Your athletic and stuff, I yeah. always use you as a reference because I remember we danced socially, I think it was at Swing Diego, and you're, you're always connected and communicating your intent to me. Like, I never feel like what you're doing is outside of the framework that your leader gives you. Right. Um, but when people watch videos, they don't necessarily know that. Right. Or when they watch you on the social dance floor, like in a Jack and Jill or Strictly, they don't necessarily know um, or can't see how you're working in whatever crazy creative idea you have into what's already there. And I'm curious to know how mindful you both are of your influence when you step out onto the floor. And if you feel um, any sort of responsibility for being an example, knowing that people are looking to you as an example of what West Coast Swing is and or should be? I personally don't. um, I feel like when I go out on a Jack and Jill or Strictly Swing, that's my Mm playtime. So, like, I don't want, I don't think, okay, I should be this way right now because I'm going to influence that person staring at me right now in the front row. Um, I do what I feel the music feels for me and I do what I feel comfortable with that dance partner. Like even going back to that story you just told me, I personally, and I've talked to people about this in private lessons, I have leaders that will not give me connection on the other end. They're not probably very good at um, countering. Mm -hmm. So I'll have a really nice dance. I'll smile. I don't care. I'll do cute little footwork, but I'm not going to do 
And he kind of countering stuff. And then they, they throw a move on me. Think I can tell they want me to. And I just, <laughs> you I know, you want to my knee, <laughs> my knee. I come back up and they're going, Hmm, why didn't you lean away? Or why didn't you do this? And I'm going, cause you didn't give me the connection. So right. I'm doing it cause I'm comfortable. So even when you were saying you danced me, you felt me connected. Well, I was comfortable if I even did anything with you, Eric, because I was comfortable on the other end to do it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But anyways, yeah. yes. but that's how I feel on the Jack and Jill. If I get somebody, let's say at the moment we're not as connected and I may not do so much stuff because I wasn't connected. And when I do something that's like, whoa, what the hell was that taught? It's because I felt so good at that moment. Yeah. That's honestly, I'm just being honest. That's what I'm thinking. And I'm thinking I'm really just making you guys the audience smile and have a good time with me. Um, making them my dance partner. I have a good time. I, I, I don't at the moment ever think in my head, am I, how's that person in the back? Am I influencing that person over there? Where I am is when I teach. Right. So I feel like when Jordan, and I teach it's like everything has to be a lead and follow base. Like I'm not going to sit there and teach something to a follower or Jordan's not going to teach a pattern to a leader that is like so foreign that it's like, I'm like, what dance is this? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you, I don't know. It doesn't work on the social sit, floor. On the social right. floor. It's not lead or follow, follow a bull. I know that's not a word, but um, we probably wouldn't teach it. To mm-hmm. Right. Really I was just, I mean, I, mean, I, I kind of feel the exact same way. I was just going to say, I feel like at the highest level, so like invitational or champion, whatever you want to call it, at the highest level of Jack and Jill and Strictly, and then especially in routines when you're with your partner, I feel like you're watching athletes showcase like where, like what the top of this dance is. And like the all-star what, game. Yeah, of course. And part of, there is an influence of entertainment. All of us are feeling the pressure to put on the show. So many elements that we don't teach in our social dancing or that we don't dance in our social dancing. I don't travel the entire floor yeah. at 2 a.m. Yeah. Right. You don't. And you're that little speck in the middle of a big room. Sometimes you're doing things to project and perform. And so in those moments, I always feel like we're, we get a pass to, to showcase the dance at its highest level, danced amongst people who are comfortable and who are peers and who have spent a lot of time traveling and social dancing and creating together. That's how this is even existing in the moment Mm -hmm. compared to what we teach. So then sometimes they'll maybe come to our workshop expecting that craziness and Mm -hmm. maybe at an all-star level, they'll get it, but it's only taught to the people who are ready for it. Um, Mm -hmm. We're we're not teaching above novice dancers heads and we're, we're very aware of the level system and what a two and what a three and what a level four is. when we're at an event that has, maybe from level two to level six. Um, And, you know, I feel like one of the things that got frustrating to us in our later years of competition, especially at the U.S. Open, was having to check in with referees. And you'd have those moments where you'd to showcase moves to a referee. And we would be counting weight supports, which in classic was, that was really difficult for us. What are they going to call as a weight support? What's a weight support to Tatiana? You know, like you guys don't know her. Like they're saying, well, we're basing it off of the average person in the audience. And I'm like, well, then this is the wrong competition. We've had this conversation too, Barbara and I, because of classic. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'm like, I'm sorry, but like in this position, I can walk away and she'll freakishly hold herself up here. Don't count this as a weight support. Right. But that was limiting because they did. And Mm -hmm. so that was, that was really tough for a lot of couples, that gamble of, 
is this move worth it? Because it's impactful and it's a moment, but it's counted. Mm-hmm. And that that towards the end of our career in competition, that was really stifling our our artistic and creative side. We were constantly spending time reviewing rules and checking in on these moves. So I we always felt at the highest level, like there should be freedom. There should be freedom. room for yeah, room. There should be there should be room to see the the like the masters at work, when I see the top level, whatever it is, when I go to watch even like a tennis match, it's just different. The serve is different. And I don't expect to learn Andy Roddick's serve. And I don't need to do a jump serve when I'm like learning volleyball. But when I go to see the best in the world, like I want to see it. Mm-hmm. And um, So I always feel like then there's moments where we get to see the other side. And you know, like I love what Swing Diego does where they'll have the dance in the pit. Mm-hmm. Tighten up a Jack and Jill. I think it, it brings out a whole new element. And they never they never need to go backstage and tell us, okay, guys, we just want you to dance West Coast. We're just going to dance West Coast. We've got six squares and that's what we're going to use. And sometimes I'm really feeling that format of competition. Like I just want to be judged on my swing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then put a show on. Yeah. And then sometimes you can just read the crowd. Some events we know are different and want that. You watch the first couple and you see what's going. And there's that pressure of, well, I'm coming up in two or three or I'm next or I'm following it. And I can see what this audience is expecting. And I'm going to, I'm going to play <laughs> with the game. Um, and Pull so, a rabbit out of your ass. Yeah. Thank you very much. West coast. Swing. Yes. <laughs> so we feel that. And I don't mind that different events have different roles. Um, I, I like sometimes, you know, even though we still think we're kids, we're not, we're 35, 36. Um, there'll be times in Europe where we'll, we're the, we're the oldest couple on the, on the teaching staff and we realize our responsibility. Okay. Maybe it's our responsibility to teach a blues class or to rein it in or to force the couples. Hey, we're all dancing in two squares today. Look at your floor. Like this is the only space you get. And we will just like we'll we'll take on that role when we feel it's necessary or it's sure. needed or well, the community at, needs it. We're very good at I think analyzing. I mean, I, I think all teachers are. Mm-hmm. We analyze what we're in at the moment. When we go to some country, I look around the social dancing. I go, you know what they need. You know, yeah. and so if we feel like okay, they need, they we need some more footwork. We need to add more footwork. Kickball mm-hmm. change. You know, hitches. We're gonna teach it there. So trust in us that we know what we're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. so that's. You know, that's kind of where I think like, yeah. we're talking about. So that's where we, I think, sometimes really feel our responsibility it's kick teaching, in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we always want our performances to mesmerize people, to get them hooked. Um, right. They're hooked. They're, they're coming in and they're learning basics. They're learning technique. I want to ask that real quick, too, about our performances. I feel like um, sometimes they, I've heard in the past, people are like, don't you feel respond Like, oh, I don't know. Have I heard someone say this? Or mm-hmm. someone said it to me personally, this was years ago. Yeah. Do you feel this is the way the West Coast Swing should go? Like when we did Muse, Deborah, you know, when you're I, yeah, I, I love Muse, yep. We felt like we just wanted to be different. We wanted to be actors. We wanted to put makeup on our face. We wanted to be, se- I wanted to be sexy. I don't know, Matt, that's what I felt that year. I really wanted to be sexy. And then like, I remember someone like, is that where you want the dance to go? And I'm like, no, I but can don't I have you- a moment to like explain be a, an artist. And- Don't you feel Tatiana and Jordan too? I'm going to ask you, cause I feel like whatever couple is on top at the moment, and you've obviously been on top the longest, um, people will always question like, 
Like, why did you do like, like why that routine? And it, it, is this what you want? Cause they, they feel that it's our responsibility as the top couple that drives the dance. Right. Yeah. But you know, we, we were looking at a bigger picture and we were looking at a longer game. Mm -hmm. um, it was never just that one routine or that one moment. Um, it was never just West Coast Swing. You know, there was a time where it was more than West Coast Swing. It was, it was, we were already like envisioning this routine in Sydney. And I was maybe envisioning this routine with lights. And I was envisioning. I love when you said to me one time, you're like, we're in a ballroom event. Like, I want to like feel it, you know, like, mm -hmm. so we were kind of, you, you, Jordan, as everyone knows his beautiful mind, he was like thinking bigger. Like I want to pull different genres, so that's where we. That's where we kind of. Mm -hmm. Just sometimes it influenced us. Yeah. Sometimes we connected with it. You know, it was funny. Like I remember, like this muse was right after my knee surgery, and it was our first mm -hmm. routine back. And we, so we would go to a salsa event where we were the only couple without face paint. <laughs> <laughs> we were the only couple where they're like, um, "You guys need to go to makeup," and we're like, "We're we're, we're walking done. on. We're next." <laughs> no rhinestones at all. Zero rhinestones. That was hilarious oh to us. Or like, so or at a ballroom event, they'd be like, "You guys can change. You're up in five, and we're like, these are our costumes." <laughs> <laughs> so, so we would have those moments, but so we we premiered Muse at the French Open the weekend before Grand Nationals. And we were in France and I, I feel they're very artistic. I feel that the French are just connected to the arts and whatever. And, you know, dancing that routine there, we thought we were going out on a limb, but they went so crazy and they were, they were just wild. Like they, it, they yeah. were almost like wild. And I don't know, like the sounds, it wasn't clapping. It was like, like it was just crazy. <laughs> it was mayhem. And we were so so we were like, this isn't that far out there. Mm -hmm. Oh, like we thought we were really pushing the envelope here. Oh, no. I'm, I'm rubbing my own chest for eight beats. I thought this was weird, but this is totally normal. The next weekend, we're this. at Grand Nationals. And it's not normal there. And I'm walking down the stairs. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wait, this isn't normal. And I just totally forgot that. My routine starts where, like, I'm facing the back. No, I'm facing the back. Or, You're facing the front. Okay, Tatiana's I facing the back. I had to rub my body in front of... And she's, like, in front of Norfolk Jones or oh something. Oh, my gosh. Audience is on the back of the floor. Oh, my God. I mean, we're walking out there, and they're like, uh, son, you got something on your face. Could I get that for you? And I'm like, oh, no, that's, that's part of my makeup. And he said, excuse me? And I'm like, don't, don't worry about it. And I just run off like, this was a mistake. <laughs> so, uh, I mean... We had those moments, um, but I don't know. We there was no part of us that regretted going on that tangent, or yeah. like that's what we needed mm -hmm. to not feel like, oh, this is done. We're over it. We're burned out. Like that. That, that fueled our us. fire. My yeah. gosh, it just it brought me out of surgery. Like it just it was where we wanted to go, and it was what fueled us for the next how many years. So it's interesting how sometimes you have to go with your gut. Sometimes we would have those talks amongst ourselves of this is a risk. Mm -hmm. um, this routine might not win. This we literally routine, shook hands and said, are we okay with this decision? Are we okay if the judges... If we get second, third... Like, kill us with fine. this routine. We're fine. Um, there were routines that were strictly built to win. There were routines that they weren't about art. They were about difficulty and how much you could push your bodies in the dance and create an atmosphere in the room. And the goal was just to win.
And would it be our proudest moment? Maybe not. It would just be like a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like having danced together so long, we had that ride and we had those routines that felt like they filled different spaces for us. Um, because you mentioned the, cause I like the part where you said about, you know, the makeup and <laughs> they're trying to take the makeup off you and, uh, <laughs> nationals. Um, I feel like there's every couple in the swing dance community who has been an influential couple has gone through one moment or two in their career where they do something that's either outside of the box or different than what we're used to in West Coast Swing and, and people like don't understand it. Like you put face paint on and, and I come out with a pink stripe uh, on my head and Lacey wears a mohawk or a faux hawk and, oh. and they're consistently like, how do we how do we explain to our dance community that there's there's the part of, you know, social dancing and all that, but there's the also the performance value that that makes the whole package come together and we have all these judges that don't have the ability to look at a routine and go oh like uh, the face paint or that pink stripe in your hair it was distracting what do you mean it was distracting <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the routine it's part of you the whole know, package you know i think it was about it was about broadening their horizons mm-hmm. and it was about kind of showing people i mean the status quo for a long time looked a certain way right and I remember as a kid seeing those routines that stepped outside the box. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Cordova pulled a phantom mask off his face with toothpaste. <laughs> like it blew my mind, but yet it was it was theatrical. Like I right. remember where I was in the room when it happened. Right. Um, I remember where I was the first time I saw. Um, um, gosh, I'm about to forget the name, and I can't do this, so I'm not going to ask for help. I'm not gonna, you don't want a uh, lifeline? I don't want a lifeline. I don't want to phone a friend. (laughs) It was uh, Groove is in the Heart. Oh, Groove is in the Heart, yeah. Groove is in the Heart stood out to me because of the cut, like the music, the character, the sound effects, the little Mm -hmm. moments. Um, It felt like it was a step in a new direction for routines. I remember I was when I saw it the first time. I was at Palm Springs Tom Maddox event and I was just like, you can do this? I think it's so important for couples to be that couple. Now, I don't think it's how you start your career. No. You pay your dues. And I think you earn right. the right to now venture outside the box. And maybe you've right. convinced these people to trust in you that they'll go along with you. So I think it's right. very important to establish yourself first. But the couples that I'm speaking of, they established themselves and yes. then chose a different path. Now, it's it's still a risk. But, you know, the community, you'd be surprised. I think that I think that we're really, we're bringing them along with us. And mm-hmm. and there were times where it wasn't, and they'll always be pushed back. But I think it's what branches our dance outside of just our world. I think it's what opens our dance up to the other genres. Which is going to make it grow. Salsa, ballroom, all the Latin community, uh, hip hop. I mean, I, I think it's what makes our dance ready for TV. It's what makes our dance relatable. Yeah. Um, and so whether that's for every competition or not, like that's, that's another conversation, but mm-hmm. I do think that it is important um, because I think it's what's expanded our dance outside of, of what, Definitely. of what it could be or what it was, what, what it once was. And, you know, it's funny when you go back to the old routines, I mean, I spent many years feeling the heat when we were on top, pushing the envelope with music. 
And there were moments where I felt like, gosh, I feel like I'm dealing with hypocrites. And I'll say this because it's the naked truth. Do it. Um, but I'm like, gosh, as a kid, I don't remember hearing the music that they all said they want us to be dancing to right now. Mm-hmm. So they were telling us, my gosh, where's the blues? Where's the blues? Where's the blues? And I'm like, where was your blues? Right. When I was a kid, I was hearing so much techno and I was hearing mm-hmm. disco and I was hearing country and I was hearing hustle and I was hearing a lot of other stuff. And I loved it. I didn't think we could dance that. And they wouldn't play it socially that night. They'd go mm-hmm. back to their normal list, but it, it broadened our horizons. Mm-hmm. It made us just think a little bit different. And so I think it was so important. And I, I felt like at some point it was forgotten or guys, you know, you were doing this too. Like, you know, Prince, right. Prince wasn't the blues. No, and you weren't picking his bluesy stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and there were song cuts and there were multiple versions and there were remixes. And so like, it's nothing that new. It definitely evolved. And, and so it, the music's changed. The right. envelope pushes further, but I really do think it's interesting. And that's why I think the history is so important. I think it is really important for us to remember. And it's, it's cool to see the videos posted. There's not enough of them. Mm-hmm. There's so much that lives on VHS still. Mm-hmm. But when we, when we go back, I mean, when, like when the Zook topic comes up or Zook music or social parties, and I just think of, I think of being capital and hearing hustle after hustle after hustle and at some point realizing, you know, I like hustle, but I really want a West Coast. And so you'd start doing West Coast to hustle. And then I remember that transition of like, gosh, this is fast, but we can West Coast to it. And then the DJs are looking around. They're like, well, gosh, no one's doing hustle anymore. Maybe I shouldn't play hustle or maybe I should just stick to West Coast or I'll play this stuff and they'll do West Coast to it. But there was that time where the transition happened where Jack Smith was pushing the envelope every night with late night music. And we were dancing to stuff that wasn't the norm. Right. So don't you think that's part of um, the couples at the time? Because you mentioned hustle music. And I feel like Barry Jones kind of helped with that when he came. Right. And then and then like say like um, Shag was part of our community for a a little bit. That's Charlie and Jackie. Yes. Right. I I even loved how Cordova and Khalees did Phantom of the Opera. Right. I mean, just that that was just so different. You're doing a whole on, you're doing a musical, like a Broadway song. Right, right. You know, like that that opens another door, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Like, I just, I feel like sometimes it gets forgotten that it was happening then too. I got what you mean. No, you're right. Yep. So I like us just kind of checking back in with the history and then Mm -hmm. like relating it to now, um, relating like when Jack Smith was starting late night dancing, I mean, it was like that little lobby floor at the Buena Park Hotel yeah. playing Lowrider. Oh my God. Yeah. I just had that in my head. Yeah. I and was, he's playing Lowrider and you're like, we don't dance to this. No. Like they don't play this at Moose McGillicuddy's. Like we, we don't dance to Lowrider. Where's the blues? But then you, you're dancing to that and you're like, gosh, but I know this song. My dad has played this song before. Oh my gosh, it's relatable. Mm-hmm. Like it, it started to connect. And then, like Tatiana mentioned, Labouche, total hustle song. Totally. Incredibly fast, but. No Mercy, remember No Mercy? We started yeah. dancing West Coast to that. And so, to me, it's been happening for so many years. That's why this dance is so crazy and amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think as the pendulum swings, it always comes back and it goes one way and then it comes back. And so, I think it's just it's not that different than what we grew up seeing. I just sometimes think that the newer dancers or even sometimes the older dancers forget that that was happening back then as well. Well, and also too, the, I feel like the newer dancers 
didn't have what we had when we were growing up. Like we had live people that we would see. And the newer dancers have been affected just by YouTube. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So, Could so be a bad thing. It's not, no, it's not a bad thing. I'm saying it's a different type of generation. Right. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. True. True. It's 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 all really it's interesting like how what we love to see is how the different like different countries around the world take on this dance. Mm-hmm. And one one community that I really wish had taken off and maybe it will someday, like when we went to India, I just remember seeing like the dancers for one, the whole class, they do this thing with their head, which is very interesting. But the bobblehead. But like they started doing this thing with their eyes, even when they were doing West Coast. I could already see like Bollywood in their sugar push. It was hilarious. Like we love seeing like their own culture kind of infiltrate. And then this girl that was she was the best girl after that weekend. She mm-hmm. was like super accomplished salsa dancer. She could have been such a great West Coast swing dancer. We never saw her again. I hope she's still doing West Coast. But I remember already thinking. Like, this is a new style now for West Coast Swing. Like, she's about to bring Bollywood into West Coast. Which would be heaven for me. <laughs> I know, because we want to tell that you love the music, Tati. I mean, <laughs> and, and even though Tatiana emulates it and does it all the time because she loves that style of music, like, this girl, she was born there. She's raised in it. Like, it took on a totally new look. So cool. It's the same way that when the Lindy Hoppers made the transition, that when the salsa dancers make a transition, like, we just love seeing that as the dance expands is that now because it's so worldwide, you're getting these other influences that are really impacting the dance to create new styles. Cultural. Cultural. I think that's, that's one of the things that's so amazing, like and amazingly different from when we were kids and it was a a U.S. dance and it lived right here to what we're seeing now. Right. Well, when you have global globalization, it not only brings the dance to the masses, but it, it brings, it brings culture to the dance too, that we didn't have before. Yeah, so much, so much interesting culture that, and then and then for us to learn about different cultures and see mm-hmm. how, like as teachers, how we adjust to teaching a group of Brazilians to teaching a group of Koreans. It's different, yes. But it really has, I don't know, it's just, it's impacted the dance. I know this is kind of a tangent, but I think it's, okay. it's what's going to be so amazing in the next 10 years of the U.S. Open when that first overseas couple wins or when right like when the dance when the the top couple in the world isn't based out of the u.s or whatever it is like when that when that shift happens and it just really shows how how far this dance can go i think that's just kind of a big step and it's something that we started to see even in its smallest form just how the dance is expanding and that's what excites you about it right it really does i mean it excites us. I think it's um, it's always important to rein them back in, and so it's always important to 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 get everyone to check themselves and remind them what they're learning, where the dance is, and mm-hmm. and and a lot of them are seeking that that knowledge, and some of them feel like it's still hard to find. So just even the history of this, and I mean, you guys, just even having this podcast, you're opening up stories mm-hmm. that people are are starting to share, which is great. Because I remember this stuff. Like, you know, I haven't caught all your episodes, but I've caught some. And the only thing that bugs me is that I can't phone in. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like I'm a, a student of this dance and I'm like, like a little bit of a history buff. And if someone misquotes like the wrong year of an open, I want to say, nope, nope, it was this year. 
or and like Deborah, you'll do that so often. I think it's hilarious. But like, <laughs> I think like these stories are so important. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, the people, the new dancers, they're not seeking this out. A lot of them actually are. Yeah. A lot of them feel like it's hard to find, just because they're more of a YouTube generation and they they don't know where the VHSs are and they don't have access to the old old tapes or old clips. But there's a ton right. of people that they can ask, and um, I do I do feel that Sonny Watson has a really great website. He does. True. I mean, like if you want to know everything about West Coast, I mean it's streetswing.com. It's there. But like videos and stuff, Tony Azar has been doing a really good job on posting them on Facebook, I think. Yes, I will throw it out there. I feel like we all owe him an apology because he was so annoying with the camera back in the day that I feel like a lot of us were like, oh my gosh, get the camera out of our faces. And I'll be glad he did, though. And now we're so happy we have Right. Like I saw him for the first time in Seattle last two weeks ago or three weeks ago. We gave him a big hug and he almost looked surprised because I think he remembers also the years where we were like, oh my gosh, Tony, like it's 2 a.m. Could you turn the camera off? Mm-hmm. He was recording history back then. And yeah, he documented so many amazing moments. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask one question that kind of follows up on that. I recently here with my community, exactly that point, um, I wanted my community to know their history. And so we sat down and I went through YouTube and Tony's stuff, uh, but mostly YouTube and found a whole bunch of old videos, walked them through everything from like Lance and Marianne to Lance and Charlotte to, you know, Keldy B and, and Robert, Robert. Like just went mm-hmm. through the whole like highlights from all of those. Right. Mm-hmm. But the question always comes up um, of what should I be looking for? Like what should, when we talk about knowing your history, um, what do we want people to know or understand or gain from watching older dancing? I would say the evolution of how the swing looked and mm-hmm. like, I don't know, even just like looking at the anchor. Mm-hmm. If you can go back to the 1983, was that the first US Open? Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, just that. Has 83 or 81. One of them. Go ahead. Eighty-three was the first one at Disneyland, I think. Okay, they right. Debate right. because there was like an eighty-two one and an eighty-one like number one, yeah. but that's like a whole other debate. Right. Um, but I love, I love seeing that evolution. We like, we like looking at common denominators. True. Mm-hmm. So we like looking for things that are relatable to what we see today, and even if it's masked, you can find it. Tell us what those are. Whether it's recognizable swing patterns. Mm-hmm. So whether it's basics or the step right out of the basics, because a lot of dancers have like a library of six basics and then it's all the hot new moves. Right. And a lot of foreign dancers say that's the problem is they don't ever learn transitional basics. Transitional basics are, are they don't learn the meat and potatoes. Fold, sweethearts, um, mm-hmm. cuddle, just all, I don't know, reverse whip, all the transitions that are one step beyond the basics, whatever, whatever kind of syllabus you're using. And yet you don't make that jump into crazy complex signature moves. Mm-hmm. EVD moves is kind of what I call them. Like a lot of <laughs> dancers, <laughs> basics, and then they bought the hot new patterns and styling DVD. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at those old videos, you, you see certain things and you're like, gosh, I know that. And I don't do that anymore. And like basket whip. I feel, I never see obsolete. Or what do you, oh, what's the other one? Like top spinner. Barely. I mean, yeah, at well, least try to, we think it's cool like when when younger dancers say oh my gosh there's this move that you and taught do and we saw it in an old video and 
Like we thought it was super new and then we saw it from like 86 or, and like, we saw that's, too. I'm like, yeah, like we, we learned it from that video too. Like <laughs> it's crazy to, to realize there's so many things that come from that. Every move that we're doing is a twist on one of those old moves. Right. I mean, and so, so I think that, you know, they don't need to love that style. They need to learn it. But they need to learn it and they need to recognize, like, every once in a while I'll hear someone say, gosh, they sure did a lot more footwork than I do. Well, boom, like, self-reflection. Like, <laughs> yeah. add more footwork to your dance. Um, Common sense. You know, like, oh, I'm not a big fan of shag. You don't need to be, but you need to learn that footwork because all mm-hmm. that, that we're doing is coming from it. And that was a big part of our, like, of our dance at shag. Like that's no, of course it was. But some people will say, well, we don't love shag. And it's like, well, then you don't love West Coast Swing because <laughs> so much of our footwork is coming from shag and influence. Right. Um, and so so that's kind of something that we like to see. We like um, we like seeing the relation between the two. We like seeing um, like when people hear about our idols and then they go watch them and they say, oh, I see little things in your dance that reminds me of this dancer or mm-hmm. um you know, when we go back and um, a video of we we all love that we all love the '95 uh, street swing, which is strictly swing of Romero and Sylvia. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just watched that. Did you? I just watched that. Yep. Oh my gosh, it's so good! And I remember right the fleece sleeves. I'm like, well, <laughs> the shirt from Seinfeld. Oh, right, yeah. the pirate shirt. Yes, and he killed that like. <laughs> Double or triple turn right into like the the catch open swing out. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many moments in that that I still remember. And what's funny is like some people, they didn't know who Sylvia was until they saw that video of me and Sylvia that just got resurfaced. Mm -hmm. They're like, who is this woman? Did she do West Coast? Was she a Lindy Hopper? Like, I'm like, well, she's the one who taught me about Boa. She's the one who da 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 da. Mm -hmm. And but but she also had a huge impact on our dance. And like you need to see her winning at our US Open. Yeah, like, you know, there's just so many, there's so many moments like that where, you know, people, I think they want it. They just need to be guided in the right direction. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Sylvia because I tried, I contacted her maybe a couple, two weeks ago and I told her I want her to be on this show. Mm -hmm. Like, like, cause she's huge influence on this dance. Yeah. And her answer to me was, well, I don't know. I'm really not a swing dancer. And I basically had to like go back and forth to her and like school her and be like, are you out of your mind, woman? Like yeah. you need to be on this show. People need to know who you are. And, you know, not just by, but just by seeing you dance, but by hearing your knowledge of all the things that you know about the dance and all the people that you've influenced. I mean, she studied with Dean Collins. Hello? Like, <laughs> it's like the precursor oh. of our dance. I, it's, <laughs> just, it's, a, it's crazy to me. And, and I, look, and I, I know that there are times when I get like, really adamant with people. I'm like, how do you not know this person? Like you need to know them. And I think part of the problem is it's not that they don't want to know them. It's that not enough of us have the time or, or, or have it in the moment of when we're teaching something to bring that, that, that person up at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where Tony, having Tony, so the videos is helping so much and for that cave reason. I I think that, you know, after so many years of the same format of events and just running workshop, 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 and it just starts to get kind of, I don't know, repetitive. There's now starting to come up with new types of formats and whether it's, you see these lectures or sit down sessions or whether it's a talk on history or whether it's just, 
you know, couples pull out their iPad and they're like, we're going to watch this and then we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, like what's funny at ESS one year, Parker played that dance. Mm-hmm. And I just walked in at the end of the class with him yelling at everyone. And he was, he was getting super moved by this dance and he was yelling and I'm like, Oh gosh, Parker's on a rant. But he was just yelling like passionately. He was yelling passionately. How many times do you see them mugging at the crowd? <laughs> and then the, the students were yelling back at him. Never. Like, <laughs> that's until I heard them yell back. I'm like, okay, we're safe. Like <laughs> we're going to have to remove him. But that moment, like teachers are starting to, like sometimes you just you you get this feeling like uh, it's my job this weekend to do this to share this. That goes back um, to the responsibility that that question. That's what we're yeah. responsible for. So so we feel that way sometimes. We feel it when when like we we feel like we we grew up in this perfect time of. I feel like it was just such an amazing time of being a part of the history and before the dance blew up and then seeing that transition. Um, being spoiled by getting to watch so many of our idols social Legends. dance and they were there, like they were at our Sunday night, like my Sunday night, like they were the, the, the champions, Jack and Jill was on the floor. Like I got to go ask those women to dance. And so that was amazing, but we also get to see where the dance is headed. And so it's just this good, like connection to the the history, but also to the, the new younger generation and so, so sometimes we find ourselves having to check back in and, and rein these people back in. And, and we try to do it through a creative, fun way. Not, right, think, not, um, not soapboxing. We don't uh, like to soapbox. We try not to soapbox to them because I don't know that they're not – more and more we're finding that their head's in the right place. I agree. And everyone needs a little guidance. And so we always try to give the students the benefit of the doubt. Um, if, if we're seeing a, a crazy move that doesn't really belong on West Coast being overused, like sometimes we'll teach the move to teach them how to adapt it to West Coast swing or teach them how to rein it in, like, um, or just give them a good example of what we're seeing out there as this is not what we want to see. Like, mm-hmm. and so I don't know, sometimes we just find ourselves um, having to take on that responsibility, mm-hmm. even though we still feel like super youthful and young and a part of where the dance is going yet we don't want to see the dance get lost either so we're kind of correcting it in a really like passive aggressive sweet kind like do <laughs> i guess I we just we're, yeah <laughs> i think we're all trying to like do that right now yeah, you know yeah. a lot of the pros are getting together being like hey we you know of course we want to see this dance evolve because that's what this dance is all about but we don't we don't want to lose our yeah. roots and our history because that's what made us who we are um so Speaking of roots and history and life and all these things, um, <laughs> you know, so in 2015, you guys decided to retire after a 15 year amazing, you know, partnership doing routines, you know, 11 U.S. Open wins. What, you know, what led you to wanting to retire? That's question one. And then. Okay. <laughs> After you retire, now now you're in a, you're 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 wearing a different hat in your job. What would you like your legacy to be? Hmm. Okay. Well, um, retirement. Yeah. You know, we um, we were always very vocal. Like we had a good line of communication between each other after every year of we're doing this again, right? 
Um, I mean, like Tatiana got married at one point. She moved to Seattle, then moved to DC. Like we're still doing this, right? Like, like we had to check in. Are you wanting to start a family? Are you like mm-hmm. we're always kind of having those conversations? And it's like, yep, we're doing it again. We're going again. Mm-hmm. Um, early on, and as kids, it's it wouldn't it be cool to win an open. And then when you win a couple, it's like, what are going to be the goals that that push us, even if they seem unattainable? So for us, at a certain point, it was, could we win 10? And mm-hmm. that became the goal. I feel like after like winning four or five, I know that Jordan, did, I remember how in the beginning, I wasn't as competitive. I was like, and then I kind of, as, as, as we started winning more, I started to kind of carry that mm-hmm. um, trait. But then that's what I remember Jordan saying around the four or five range, Jordan's like 10. Is it was just what if, yeah. like, what if we could? And so mm-hmm. that's a big that was a drive for the later years when your body's telling you no more, when you're starting to feel like it's a job, whether you're motivated or not. Usually the music snapped us right back into it. Like it Mm -hmm. was, it's all we've known since we were 12 years old. And so we would just grind it out. It was just, it's it's August, it's September, whatever time of year it was, it's time for us open season. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we hit 10, we were, we were very happy and we could have retired then, but we, we were still loving our job. And if new music came along, we would do it. So this was the point where if, if music wasn't screaming to us, we, would, we wouldn't we would compete. And if if we weren't really moved to be out there and showcase ourselves, like we would have passed. And we kept feeling motivated, but... I started feeling a little more on the emotional side of stress. I'm just an emotional being. Like I work in my sleep. And so it's just like, it's really hard for me. Especially when I have like, I don't like the feeling of having my friends want to beat me, honestly. Like it, that feeling breaks my heart. Like if my, if I got first, my friends got second, I wanted to cry because I know they wanted to get first, you know? So I couldn't enjoy my first sometimes. So that started really weighing on me. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and then on that flip side, we, we felt, I know what Jordan's about, about to say about the creativity of what we wanted when we, the song that we chose for 2015 and we switched it. Remember? Well, we just, we, um, I started to notice that in Tatiana, I started to notice that this, it, it wasn't fun. Like the, the stress, like this is where we're starting to flip roles. Like I'm backstage always nervous, but my emotions were pretty calm. And, and like Tatiana was hating life. Like mm-hmm. we were surviving routines. It wasn't a, an exhale of joy. Right. You know, if they announced first place Jordan and Tatiana, it was an exhale and it was like, oh my God, let's go home. Like, just like the, the, yeah. the love was still there, but it was starting to weigh on us. And I just, we started to feel like it might change how we feel about the dance or mm-hmm. we don't want to run away. Like we just, I don't know. We, we yeah, just saw this happening sure. and we started to choreograph a routine. Like I got into a certain band, I got into their music. It was super out there. August, September, we were August, getting, September. we were going down the rabbit hole. It was getting weird. This is one of those routines, like Muse, where you're like, "Okay, are you ready? We're not gonna win this. this may not be a not first. gonna win. They might kick us out. <laughs> they might ask us to leave. I don't know." But so we were just—I don't know. We were—we had a friend listen to it, and he's like, "Whoa, this is a showpiece. This is not meant for the competition floor." And I'm like, "Well, we're competing with it. Like, we're doing it." And you know, so we were feeling a little bit off, like. <laughs> we we were over dancing for the judges and yet show that's piece. if we're going to compete we have to compete to win we want fire like we just started to feel this way and so it was just really interesting we in october 
we heard stole the show. And I mean, the costumes for the neck for the for the prior routine that we've been working on were being were just getting started. The drawings were already done, and we heard stole the show, and we were like, "Oh my gosh, this this is it. This this is talking to us. It's it's a retirement piece. It's yeah. we got home the next day, like literally the next day. I came over to Jordan's house. We're sitting in his back living room, and we're blasting it, and we're like, "I'm like, bud, I think this is a sign. Like, and and it's was, like I feel it too. It, but it was late." Like it was very late for us. We didn't love the idea of like October. Yeah, we've got a song that's not even usable because it needed more. Like we had to, we add got stuff. To add instruments and add a build and like really restructure the music. But we just knew that there was something speaking to us that just felt right. And so we go to choreograph, and it's it's a breeze. Like the routine is just flowing out of us. We're not fast choreographers. We're we we take a long time and we. We like some days we bust through a minute and a half and some days it's a set of eight. And these are like eight hour days, like laying on the floor morning till night, just working, working, working. And some days we just don't, we hit a roadblock. We don't bounce around our choreography. We go from start to finish. So that's just our method. And so if we hit a roadblock, we live there. And so, um, we, we choreographed it really fast. And it started to, it just felt amazing. But then we, we were struggling with emotions. It was emotional. It, it was hard not to tear up during. If we listened to the music that way, we started to connect to it almost too much. Like, are we going to be able to get through with this? What happens if we mess up? What happens if we lose? What happens if we blow the routine? Are we still retiring? Is this just so, oh, we're kidding. <laughs> just a theme. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, oh, we're kidding. We had to convince ourselves that we weren't retiring. Yeah. And that this was just a story. Remember I told you how much stress I was having the yes. past like two yep. years prior? Building yep. up. Can I you remember. imagine feelings behind that behind that cam curtain? No, uh, totally. Oh my god. Uh, if we mess up, I, I, I was like almost like having a panic attack back there. So mm-hmm. I had I, so Jordan gave me advice. He's like, pretend like we're not retiring. We're not retiring. I didn't even say pretend we weren't like, He's like if, it, if it didn't feel good about what we did. We would, we'd be back next year. And, oh, you guys. Mm-hmm. Ran, uh, so he was trying you. to calm me down. That's, like, That's not at all how we felt. We knew what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I played the music. This was the one time that we didn't practice with Benji leading up to it. Our friends didn't hear it. Um, I think other than Jessica. So mm-hmm. no one knew I played it for Benji Friday and he's like th- 30 seconds in, he like pulls the headphones out and he's like, Holy shit. This is, this is a retirement piece. And I'm like, no, it's just, you know, <laughs> and he's like, shut up. Like, and I'm like, well, kind of is. And we just had to get our mind right. Really is what it was. We had to disconnect with that. And so when we danced it, 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 it was more than just, is it going to win or not? It was just everything that we wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're always hoping to have that performance where, regardless of what happens, like you're just so happy when you run off, like the running off the stage, the moment of like that final bow, like that's, that's the win. And coming back on Sunday for awards, it's, it's almost like anticlimactic, like you had your moment. And so we really felt that after we danced, like we were just so happy. We wanted it, we wanted to portray something and we did, you know, we wanted people to be like, wait, what? And we also wanted it to go well. We wanted to have feelings with each other and we looked at each other, everything that we wanted, we got, I felt so really happy. It was magical. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it, it just felt right in every way. And then afterwards it was this wave of emotion of like, 
oh my God, like think of everything that could have happened. Like how this, how this could have been like, there were many years, even when people thought we nailed our routine that we were in the back room, like Hulk kicking the wall and mad <laughs> throwing chairs, like, like so angry with what just happened. And it was a fine performance. We're just hard on ourselves. So mm-hmm. this routine was one of those times where that moment felt so special. We walked off and we were just happy. And it was just like this total release of emotions. Um, and then there were just, there was also the side to, we wanted to start to look ahead to what, what does retirement look like in West Coast Swing? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that look like for the next generation, for our generation, for, for the future? Like, I see what it looks like in ballroom. I kind of see what it looks like even in salsa. Um, but I don't really see what it looks like in West Coast Swing. Like, yes, you can judge and yes, you could run events events and other things. But like, we thought, what if we retired at a time where we, we really still feel like we have something to offer? Could we somehow like start to like open the door for what it's like to retire? Whether it's show pieces, whether it's encouraging people to see routines revive, revise like a revival of an old routine. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want to retire and physically be exact, like worn out or broken or injured where we couldn't now show ourselves as a showpiece. Right, right. We want a chance to go. That's not always about competition. It's also about the art of it. Mm-hmm. But so we had to retire kind of on the younger side to physically still push ourselves in a showpiece. And to be able sure. to maybe put something out there that would demand people want to see it still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that we could still draw a crowd or still put out our our best material. And so I don't know, there were all these things kind of playing in our decision to move in that direction. And that excited us. And so it like it refueled the fire to where we didn't feel like, my gosh, one more open. And then like, sayonara, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it could have gone that way if we would have kept grinding it out. I could have bailed. I was like, this cause like, I'm out. I can't do the stress anymore. But this like it re I was felt reborn again. I was like, oh, I can go out there and just do a show and not feel judged. Oh, how nice. You know? And so we just started to, um, I don't know, we started to look towards that. And then there was just a little bit of what is, um, I don't know, what is what is life like after your competitive career? And so that was kind of a big I was just kind of a big driving force. We were doing so many shows overseas. We were traveling less on the NASD circuit. We were loving the feeling of shows and performing with couples. And I mean, the, the overseas community is like a community of shows. There, there's some routines, but a lot of the events don't have routines. So I really love both aspects. I never want to see competition go away. I think that brings out the best in people. The challenge to ourselves was how are we going to practice as hard how are we going to try to create the the feeling that everything's on the line when it's not for competition, when it's just for show? And we had to dig deep and figure out what that was for us that would motivate us. But um, we just we love to see where where this dance community is like starting to open up some other doors and some other avenues. And that was just kind of a big part of it as well. So what do you see as next? I mean, you guys started JT Swing Team. Right, which seems like a new kind of uh, role for you all in the community and building community. Yeah. Um, but what do you see as being the next phase or where do you see your career going? 
Well, um, that was a that was a huge. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If I can take any more. I'm tired. <laughs> you know, like that was a huge that was a huge transition that we loved. It wasn't part of the plan. Sometimes Robert, when he says that thing on the microphone, and he'll go, "They had something planned, and they didn't tell any of us." JT Swing Teams wasn't a part of the plan, actually. Of retirement, we're, it wasn't right. like it's retired to do this. Um, we were choreographing for a lot of a lot of small groups, and this was like a, a new step to grow and expand this, and we felt like connect the community. So this it blossomed into something. We knew that being a part of people's journey was going to be a big part of the next stage coaching, you know, like it was really awkward when couples that we were competing against, they wanted coaching, but they felt the conflict of interest. Um, we were almost ready to send some of our energy into them rather than, but we knew that, you know, showcase couples would come to us or rising star couples would come to us. Our biggest competitors in classic obviously wouldn't, even though we were still choreographing many classic competitors routines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, so it definitely, we knew that there was going to be this role of being coaches and choreographers and, but the teams, it just, it really let us connect with people in a different way. A lot of people that we don't normally connect with, that was like the blessing in disguise that we never knew would come about. Um, there was this, a part of us that thought like, this will reach out to people. They get to learn our choreography and this is a way because we were getting asked to do a lot of routines also on top of doing our selective ones that we already had mm -hmm. kind of getting a little like overwhelmed and we're like, here, let's just do this so that it does get to everybody. And then, you know, but then like you were, Jordan was about to say it exceeded our expectations. Mm -hmm. It just, I mean, a lot of these people we would see in a workshop and they'd maybe get a photo after the class. We'd maybe say great job in passing. Now we're coaching them late night at mad jam. Um, they're, they're posting a video and it's tagged to us and we see it. I mean, this girl tagged me in a video. Her arm is covered in bruises because she got the trick, the hard, hard trick in varsity. Mm -hmm. And she's so proud that when she hit it, she stopped dancing the routine just to jump up and down. That she <laughs> Victory dance. <laughs> like, like that moment, we would never see that video. We wouldn't connect with this person. Like, I get that video. I'm able to comment on it. Like that whole side of it, we never expected. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's super special. And just as well as seeing like the next generation or the current generation, like kind of duke it out. Like who's that? All right. Like who are the couples now? And mm -hmm. watching those couples push themselves. And so, I mean, we don't feel like, we don't feel like we're retired. Right. Honest. I mean, we we just feel like we we shifted our focus in a way that For we're rejuvenated and and yeah we're able to give back in a different yeah. way our focus is different um so i don't know i mean the sky's the limit for the amount of things that like we will do down the road but the amazing thing is we don't have that sensation of like man it's time to cut back or what's the next step i think we're pretty i don't know we're you know, super content. Yeah. Um, I feel. We're just super happy. We're 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 happy with our lives. We're happy with where the dance is, and then we're we're happy what we're able to say yes to. I mean, right. we had blinders on for many years. You know, it's funny when people come up to me like I don't realize it, but people will say, "Man, Jordan, you're you're just a different person." And I'm like, "No, I'm not. 
Well, you know, Jordan, because yeah, but you're, you, yeah. <laughs> I know why. No, because <laughs> as for, for such a long period of time, you know, you've you made you made it a point to be very closed and professional. You weren't even on Facebook. Tatiana was on Facebook before you were, right? You sure. weren't even on Instagram or anything like that. So sure. now people feel like you're a little bit more, like you're humanized. Like oh, like. Like I see him on Facebook and he, and he, and he posts pictures of him and his fiance. And oh, so now I feel like we're friends and, and, and you, you seem like you're more at ease because you don't have to worry about freaking competition anymore. You know what I mean? No, that's, that's the difference is that it's right. such a big, like weight lifted off our shoulders Right. that I don't know for Tatiana, that was her escape. Mm-hmm. was kind of being on that and sharing her other side. And right. that was her escape from the stress. And for me, it was more like, I got to get this tunnel vision. I got to, sure. I got to tuck in because I need to to stay focused. And it's, it's a grind. Like I feel like people's, I mean, you, we all talk about this and we all say it to the people who want to be pros, like what a grind it is. Yeah. And, and especially the competition grind. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're really fortunate that so many people don't have to do that grind to make a name for themselves. I feel like there was a time where that was the only option. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dancers who will never really, they don't need to win the open. They don't need to compete the Nazi circuit. They don't need to drill a routine 17 times a year. And we used to feel like that was the, that was the only way to be a dance pro and right. to get you your name. name yeah. But we, but we don't, um, like we don't regret that in any way because it taught us yeah. such a, a crazy work ethic mm-hmm. that we realize that this really is a job. A and good one, though. It's, it's an amazing job, yeah. It's a job that you love. I mean, but it's a job. And you... so I think that some people sometimes they just they see what they see on social media and think it's a it's such a breeze or, man, what, a, what an amazing life. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that grind really helped us kind of, I don't know, be prepared for anything that – that comes our way. Which right. you've done a great job at, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, you said you don't feel retired. You're not retired. You just stop competing in the classic division. You still do Jack and Jill strictly. You're teaching mm-hmm. as much as ever. I actually um, think uh, it's more. <laughs> it might I, yeah. You know, I think that things are, you know, things are more, in our, we have more on our plate than anything than we ever had. Um, but, which is great. I mean, we love to stay busy and, you know, so, we love, we love having you in the community and yeah. staying busy. You don't just give us dancing; performing. you give us uh, you give us friendships and you give us shoes, <laughs> <laughs> right? And you give us choreography and uh, you give a lot. It's people don't realize how much um, how much of yourself you have to give to be really good at this job. Well, we had a lot of role models that gave to us. You know, and so. people. Um, a lot of inspirations that we saw along the way that helped us and become who we are now. So, uh, just time for us to get back, you know? True. So you're doing a great job. Like I said, Thanks. well, Jordan Todd, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks for asking. It's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was great. I have like 12,000 more questions, so <laughs> we'll have to have you back on at some point. Yeah, we'll definitely um, but yeah, it was great to, to get a chance. I think there are a lot of us in the community who, do just see the videos of you and don't get the opportunity to have a chat about your experience and your insights and what you've learned and and how you see the world. And it's really rewarding to get that opportunity to sit down with you. 
So thank, thank you. For thank you. Guys. Well, thank you for bowling and this. Thank you for doing this yeah. because yeah. this great. really is, I mean, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different podcasts out there and there's a lot of different methods of kind of sharing this, but you guys have a really good, you guys have a really good balance. It's, it's a partnership you guys have formed. Um, and it's so funny how like everyone knows Deborah, but like, <laughs> like I walked into Budapest and like right away, Rita goes, who's this Eric? I need to meet him. <laughs> and Rita's right. His voice is silk. And I'm like, <laughs> and you know, she, I don't said, know about that, but... she, she didn't know you were there. She's like, I want to oh, meet yeah. him someday. And I'm like, oh, cool. Cause he's right there. <laughs> she was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> But, um, but yeah. I actually had met her a couple of years ago, but I won't tell her that. <laughs> yeah, because I was at the Hungarian Open, mm-hmm. I think like two years before that. So she didn't make the connection. But, but no, 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 it was in passing. But, but you know, it's, it's reaching people. And yeah. so you guys should be proud of that because to hear that, mm-hmm. to hear that in Budapest, mm-hmm. in the middle of a, like one of the biggest events in the world right now, and they're talking about the naked truth, like that's awesome. I think it's well, great too. Our goal is to, as you said earlier, kind of share stories get more people um, talking about the dance and kind of the things that we all have these kind of conversations behind closed doors and, and hopefully make people aware of the history and the stories that you all have to share. Yes. To keep us talking. We need to talk more. True. Oh, not hide behind our text. Right. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Exactly. I love you both. We love you. Love you. If you want to share your thoughts and reactions with us, you can post a comment on our website, you can respond to our posts on Facebook, or you can share your thoughts in our discussion group on Facebook. You can also email Deborah and me through our site at thenakedtruthwcs.com or through our Facebook page. To get the latest news, you can like our page on Facebook, subscribe to our weekly newsletter, follow us on Instagram, or go ahead, follow us on Twitter. I dare you. Don't forget, you can buy some stylish swag at our online store. Just go to thenakedtruthwcs.com forward slash store to buy yours today. We can ship it to you or we can get it to you at an upcoming event. Again, that's thenakedtruthwcs.com forward slash store. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you don't listen to podcasts, check out one of these apps. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review on Facebook. And if you're on iTunes, please rate us and give us a review over on iTunes. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And And that's that's the the Naked naked truth. Truth. Before we let you go, um, we'll have you do our sign off. Okay. So um, I'll say thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. Deborah will say, and I'm Deborah. And then we'll go to you two to say, and that's the naked truth. Perfect. Together. Here we go. Okay. Together. Yes. Yes. Together. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And that's the naked oh, truth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this happens every time. It's so funny. Right, right, right. You too. Here we go. <laughs>